fearless is a, is a word I like. I mean, I just like the way it sounds. Fearless. How many of you like that word, the way it sounds? Okay. A few of you do. Well, you don't enjoy it today. If you don't like it now, you will before I get through, okay? I'm just warning you. Uh, when, I, when, I, when I see the word fearless or, or I see certain things and I think about fearless, there are some things that just flood my mind. Now, I, I, I'm not a big movie person. I'm, I don't watch movies every week, but there are a few movies over time that I've bought and I've put in my, my little stash and whenever I need to pick me up, I'll watch them, okay? I'll watch The Passion of the Christ between now and Easter sometime. I'll get by myself, and I'll watch it. Because it's, it's, it's a good visual reminder for me of what Jesus did. But now, I'm, I don't watch all those heavy films like that all the time. I've, I've got a few other ones I like. One of them is Braveheart, okay? Some of you have seen Braveheart. Some of you are thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't believe our pastor watched Braveheart. Well, I do, and I watch it every chance I can, okay? And if, if I could die and come back in another life, I'd come back as William Wallace, okay? Even though the man wore kilt, okay? I've got a kilt. Now, I know I've given you a picture, okay? And we're going to move on. But in Braveheart, if you, if you know the story, there, there's, a, there's a, a revolution begins in Scotland. And, Eng, and England is, is the country that's... that's more or less trying to enslave Scotland, and William Wallace just comes about, and and I can I, there's a part of that movie that every time I see it, man, I want to I want to get out a sword, and I just want to go to war, okay? And it, it's it's if you remember the movie, and if you don't, just humor me, okay, and nod your head like you do, okay? But in that movie, there's a point where the English forces are right on one side, and and William Wallace and and a hodgepodge of Scottish. They're not really soldiers. They're just farmers and, and shepherds. and they, they love Scotland, but they're, they're arrayed on the other side. And the nobles have done their thing, and usually they go home after that. But this time Wallace comes down, and he's, he gives some commands. And, and basically, you know, they kind of thumb their nose at the English and say, we're not going home. We're not surrendering. And so the, the English general, he sends the cavalry. In. And these are big, big horses, okay, big like Clydesdale size, and they're hauling those great big knights with all that armor on them, and and the ground begins to rumble. Well, well, Wallace, you see him on the other side. He raises his sword, and they just they're motionless, okay, and and the and the men behind him, you know, they're a little nervous because in in that day this was the this was the M1 tanks. Okay, these, these are the high tech, the, and, and these horses and these knights with these lances are bearing down. And at a precise moment, Wallace drops the sword and he just shouts, now. And up come these long spears, these, these sharpened, uh, long lances, and up they come, and literally they impale horses and riders and knights, and in just a few minutes, the mighty army of England is destroyed there at the Battle of Stirling. And, and the Scots go wild. Well, you know, I wish that uh, was the end of that story and they'd been free, but it's not. But, but when I see that, I think about fearless. I just, that, that, it just jumps out. I mean, to just stand motionless until you get the command and then you act on it. That's fearless. Now, there's another movie I like, okay? You're thinking, oh, my gosh, I wonder what that is. Some of you probably can guess if, you, if I like, you know, if I like Braveheart. Gladiator. I like, I mean, I get pumped when I watch Gladiator, okay? Uh, and, and there's a scene in there where Maximus, the Roman general, he's, he's been basically sold into slavery and, and they, they show up at, at, a, at a rather big event. And, and, you know, they fought in different places. And, and they're, they're, they're good warriors. They're good soldiers. But all of a sudden, they find themselves in the middle of the, of the arena, in the Colosseum. And, and they don't see any of the gladiators coming out to fight them. And all of a sudden, the gate opens up, and it's a chariot, and another chariot, and another chariot. All of a sudden... They are vastly outnumbered and vastly uh, overmatched. I mean, these are, these are the elite of the elite. And basically what's going to happen is they're going to become 
uh, fodder for entertainment. But Maximus gathers those guys and he gives them some instructions. And what happens is he gives a command and, and all of a sudden they bring their shields together and they become one. And one of those chariots goes over the top and the other chariot... And then he gives... He says, now. And they, they spread out. Before long, there are no more chariots. There's a horse pulling an empty one around, but there are no more charioteers. And when I see those things, I think fearless. You know what? In my dreams... That's how I envision myself in a situation. That's the way I want to respond to tough situations. That's how I want to be every day is is fearless. Now, I'm going to say this, and I really believe this, and so do you. I believe that's how every one of us want to respond to the situations and circumstances we face in life. Now, not many of us are looking down uh, a charging horse with an invincible soldier on it with a lance. I mean, we're not doing that. We're not in the Colosseum uh, with a little bit of armor watching a chariot surround us that's about to destroy us. That, that's, not, you know, that's not our everyday. But you know what? All of us face circumstances and situations every day that have the ability to destroy us. It doesn't have to destroy us physically. It can destroy us mentally, or it can destroy us emotionally, or it can destroy us spiritually. We all face those kind, kinds of things every day. And you know what? To get to overcome those things, those now moments, you see, God sends now moments all the time. When we, when we listen for God's Word, and we're supposed to act based on what He's taught us. Those are now moments. They're like Wallace dropping the sword. Everyone in that, his army knew what that meant. And what happened? They acted just like that. That happens in our lives. God, God says now. And at that now moment, we have to decide, will I be fearless or will I be fearful? That's the decision. That's every day. In this room, that's every day for most of us. And if it's not every day, it's every other day. For some of us, it's, it's, it's about once an hour. Now moments. Are you fearless? Or are you fearful? You know, I love little kids. They are fearless. My, my granddaughter's four years old. Now, from the time she was born up until about the time she was three years old, she wasn't afraid of anything. Nothing. I mean, she'd do crazy things. They'd get up on the bed and jump, watch Papa, and just jump off. And I'm going, oh, your mother will see that and I'll be dead, okay? Don't jump on the bed, you know, and just other things. And, and you know, you, you, those of you that got little boys, I mean, they'll do all kinds of things. I mean, they'll crawl up a ladder and jump off the house if they get a chance, okay? Now, Mama will run out there and go, oh, baby, baby, are you all right? Daddy, he's going, yeah, yeah, because... Daddy wants to do the same thing. So it's, it's kind of in us as men. But what happens, though, over time is our children begin to pick up our fears. They learn them. They see what we're afraid of. They hear what we're, oh, my gosh, there's a cloud coming up. Mama, there's a cloud coming up. Okay, there's a cloud coming up. That's the way I look at that. But that's not the way my granddaughter looks at it that way because my daughter is afraid of storms. Well, all of a sudden, my little four-year-old daughter is afraid of storms. You understand what I'm saying? And guess what? Over time, we pick up more and more things that make us fearful. When we were born again, for those of you that, that, that are believers, when you were born again, God gave you a fearless spirit. He, put, he made your spirit fearless. In other words, your spirit could hear God and knew no fear. I'm not talking about your brain or your body or your soul. I'm talking about that spirit within you. That spirit could hear God. And listen, when you hear God, everything else pales 
in comparison. There's no, there's no equal. But when he, when he did that, he, he, he gave us a spirit that knows who he is. And a spirit that, that, uh, that it's just like a little kid in a sense. You think about it. When you, when you first got saved, you didn't mind telling somebody what Jesus done in your life. I loved you believers. I, I love. I mean, I just some people get all wigged out about them because I mean that they, they'll they'll if somebody slows down, they're telling about what Jesus has done in their life. They hadn't learned to fear yet. That spirit is just is just fearless. But what happens is, just like little kids in the natural, in the spiritual, we kind of pick up a lot of garbage. Or we get taught a lot of garbage, which creates fear. And over time, that fearless spirit's voice begins to dim. It's not that the the spirit inside of us, our human spirit that God made alive, it's not that it's lost its fearlessness. It's that our soul, which is our body, and our, our excuse me, which is our mind, our will, our emotions. Our soul begins to overpower the voice of our spirit. And we have an argument going on inside. Any of you ever have that? You know what God said do, but common sense says, I mean, I've heard that so many times, well, common sense says to do this. I know, but God said to do this. Who am I going to listen to? Well, nine times out of ten or nine times out of a hundred, guess who we listen to? We listen to common sense better known as, in that case, the devil. All right? I'm not saying common sense is the devil in every case. Y'all understand what I'm saying. But when God's told you to do one thing and common sense tells you to do something else, but what's happened is, is that we get afraid to step out. And we're afraid when those now moments come to act like we know God's told us to do. You know, we claim to be faithful. And the word faithful means filled with faith. Full of faith. We claim to be spirit-filled, which means we are filled with the Spirit or we are full of the Spirit. And yet we are fearful, afraid to act. We're afraid over a lot of things. You think about what makes you afraid. We're afraid of our past. There are some people in this room right now that are terrified that somebody in this room will find out about what they've done in the past. Can I just invite you to come up here and sit with me? Because I'm afraid somebody's going to find out about what I've done in the past. I've got past too. And I'll bet if we stood up and said, hey, I've got, my name's so-and-so, I've got a past. I'll bet there wouldn't be many people sitting. We're, paid, we're afraid of our past. We're afraid, I know y'all are worried about baby crying right now. Just stay with us, okay? They're in perfect hands back there. My wife's back there, so I know they're okay. We're afraid of our past. Some of you are afraid of, of what's going to happen in the future. You're just unclear as to, as, as, oh, well, this may happen or this may happen. Some of you are afraid of what's going to happen right now in a few minutes. We're afraid of our, our economy. What's it going to happen? Man, gas is $3.69 a gallon. How much higher can it go? We're fearful of that. We're, we're afraid of what's going to happen to our children. Or what's not going to happen to our children. We're afraid of what's going to happen in our marriage or what's happening in our marriage. We're afraid for our health. We're afraid of the government. We're afraid, we're afraid, we're afraid. You name it, it creates fear in us. Now here's, here's a statement I want you to hear. You cannot be full of faith and full of the Spirit and be fearful at the same time. You can only be full of something, okay? You can't be full of everything. So if you're full of fear, you're not full of faith. If you're full of fear, you're not full of the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense? Okay. Okay. 
And there's one word that ought to describe every believer that walks the face of this earth. One name that we should all be called, and that's fearless. Without fear. That's all fearless means. It means without fear. It's not necessarily bold. It's just fearless. And the reason that we should be fearless is is that God loves every one of us in this room this morning unconditionally. He loves us not based on anything that we have done or not done. Now, if I said, I want you to raise your hand this morning. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying that, so I don't want you to raise your hand, okay? But if I said this morning, if you know God loves you unconditionally, raise your hand. You know what? I dare say there would be a person in this room that wouldn't raise their hand. We know it with our head, okay? We've heard it. God knows how many times from who knows how many preachers and teachers and, 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 and those kind of things. So, so we know in our heads that God loves us. The problem is it hasn't traveled the 18 inches from here to here. And you know what? You don't become fearless by knowing something here. You become fearless by knowing something here. Because when you know something here, in your heart, in your spirit, You know what? It doesn't matter what you can see with your eyes, hear with your ears. It doesn't matter. And so what happens is we confess that we know God loves us, but we don't really possess it. There's a difference between confessing and possessing. If I possess it, I own it. It's mine. And the problem is, folks, is that when we say, I know God loves me, it's a hope so instead of a no so. You know what? Jesus died on the cross not to give us a hope so, but to give us a no so. A settled, fixed understanding. Something that I put to bed and it's dealt with. Now, as daughters and sons of God, and by that I mean for those who have been born again, born from above, a part of our radical identity, our radical ID, is to be fearless. It's an ability. And that's one word that ought to describe every one of us. I want you to listen to what 2 Timothy 1.7 says. And, and you may have, if you've got a New American Standard, it's going to say spirit of timidity. But literally, that's a spirit of fear. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. For the first time, I could see the screen. I could actually quote the verse, and you'd think I knew it, and I can't, okay? For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and discipline or sound judgment. God has not given us a spirit of fear. I want you to say that with me this morning. God has not given us a spirit of fear. Okay? This is not rocket science. If God has not given us a spirit of fear, who has given us a spirit of fear? Satan. Exactly. I believe that fear is a, is a demonic infection that we allow to take hold. You've heard me say this before, that unless I partner with the enemy, he has no power over me. That's Bible, okay? As a believer, if I don't partner with him, guess what? He can't touch me. But what happens is, he gets a little foothold, just a crack and he sticks his foot in. He gets a little, a little advantage. And what happens is he gets into your life. And how, do, how does he do that? Well, when it comes to fear, he gets in there through a wound. It might be an emotional wound. It might be a spiritual wound. He gets in there through sin. 
He gets in there sometimes through a trauma. Maybe you've, you've been in one of those situations, like a, a car accident. Or I could go on and on and on. I'm just not going to do it this morning. But you know what's traumatic? A, a catastrophic event. I mean, maybe, I mean, maybe you, like most of the people in this part of the world, have huddled in your little safe place, as James Spann calls it, with a pillow over your head when it, you knew it wasn't all that safe, and, and you, you just prayed that the storm would pass on over, okay? Maybe you've been disappointed. Maybe you failed. Maybe God didn't seem to come through like you thought He would come through in a situation. What I'm talking about is an event that was out of your control. Now, I'm going to say this, and I want you to listen to me. Most events fit that. Most events are out of our control. Even when we think we really are in control, we're not. And what happens is, all of a sudden, fear begins to, to come up. Well, that's the enemy. See, where, where faith doesn't fill every crevice, fear makes up the difference. So if I'm not faith-filled, then I have some fear within me. Is, that, this, is this making sense or am I kind of, you know, Nelson, you're on another planet, don't have a clue what you're talking about. Okay, I, I'm not just talking to y'all, I'm talking to me, okay? There's some things I don't like that make me fearful. But in those moments of distress, what happens is the devil kind of gets his foot in there and he digs himself a little foxhole. And he hunkers down in it. For the next time, God says, now, where I'm supposed to act. And then he goes, sticks his little head up and says, yeah, 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 but do you remember the last time? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got hurt. I got smashed. I lost somebody I love. Somebody that I depended on let me down. Or on and on and on. And all of a sudden, there's an argument going on. Within me. My soul says, don't stick your head up. Be quiet. My spirit says, stand up straight, get your arms up, throw your chest out, and walk right into it. My soul says, lay down, fool, you're fixing to get killed. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all have that same conversation go on? Okay, help me out a little bit. I'm I'm not preaching that good, but help me out, okay? Y'all all know where I'm at. Okay, that con- it's not the good, the, good, the, uh, the good angel and the bad angel arguing, okay? It's yourself. You're arguing with yourself. There's, there's a division within us. Part is fearless, and a big part, the part that takes control most of the time, is fearful, filled with fear. That's why your soul, folks, mind, Emotions, will, memory, that's why it's being sanctified day after day after day. God's healing that. God's changing that into the image of Christ. You know what? Your spirit, because Jesus made it alive, is complete. Your soul is being saved day by day by day. It's saved, but it's being sanctified. And one of these days, you know what? You're going to lay down this body. But God's not through with it. He's going to redeem it too. So that when we get to heaven, we're going to have a redeemed body and a soul to go with our spirit. Okay, now I wasn't going to preach on this, but I've I got to explain it. Okay? Okay. So the devil's stuck his head out of the, out of the foxhole. Conflict erupts. Guess what the devil does? Kicks back in the foxhole, pops the top, turns on the TV, and watches something else. Because you know what? You and I are useless. We're not going to act at that moment. We are paralyzed. And that moment moves on. And that happens over and over and over, day after day after day. And that's the reality that most of us live with. We have a fearless spirit imprisoned in a fearful soul that acts out through a fear-riddled body. Any of you ever, and there are times, let me, let me say this, there are times when fear is a good thing. When you hear the alarms, the sirens go off, 
and all of a sudden adrenaline kicks in and you head to the the storm, that's a good thing. But when you hear the sirens kick in and you freeze, you're paralyzed, it's not a good thing. There's a difference in what I'm talking about, okay? And for most of us, we're anything but fearless. God, on the other hand, has given us His unconditional love. We have a fearless spirit, as I said, that, that's, that's imprisoned in a fearful soul and, and acts out in a fear-driven body. But God loves us unconditionally. And a fearless spirit is empowered and energized by that. I mean, if, you've, if you're fearless to know that God, the God who, who flung the stars into being, who created everything I seek, loves me, I mean, that'll make you bold. That'll make you stand up and do things that most people think are nuts. But folks, a fearful soul is paralyzed by the fact that God loves us unconditionally. Now, you would think it is just the opposite. God loves me unconditionally. My spirit's jumping up and down inside. But my soul is terrified of that. Because an unconditional love is not based on me. And my soul says it's got to be based on you. You've got to take you you've got to do something to get that love. He, he'll quit loving you. And my spirit says, no, he won't quit loving you. He'll just love you more and more and more. My soul says, no way. There's, there's, there's something going on here. There's got to be a catch. There's no such thing as free. How many of you have ever heard that? No such thing as free. There isn't in this world from which comes from us. But let me just tell you something. God's love is free. It's unconditional. No strings attached, no cost. But you know what? Fear doesn't believe that. Fear says if you mess up, and you will, God's going to get you. Remember the last time God got you. God's going to punish you. Or, you know what? There's no way a holy God can accept you. Look what you've done. Look what's happened to you. He can't accept you. Look at the choices you've made. In other words, God's going to get you when you mess up. You know, the problem with fear is that it always invites, it doesn't come by itself. It always invites other members of its family. Suspicion. I want you to raise your hand. But there's some suspicious folks in here. Okay? The reason I say that is because when you've been hurt, you don't trust other people. You're suspicious. When you've been hurt, another member of that family is dread. You dread being around other people because they just seem to be free. They, they don't seem to be tied up in all the garbage that you're tied up in. And you can't figure it out. You're suspicious of them. You're dreadful. You dread being in their presence. You're fearful of them. And just imagine how much more so that is of God. Somebody who loves you unconditionally. I don't know, Nelson, if I can believe that or not. See, that's, that's suspicion. You know, I, I, I'm afraid of going to God's presence. He'll find something wrong with it. That's dread. And what happens is a fear-filled life leads to a life of suspicion about God's promises. They were made for everybody else but not me. I've heard that from people. Worse than that, I've even believed that garbage at points in my life. I know, God, I know what you say here, but you know what? It couldn't be for me. Like He made me, He made everybody else to receive His promises, but not me. And then, because of that suspicion, I dread being in His presence. Because, you know what? We feel worthless. We feel condemned. We feel hopeless. We feel worthy of nothing but God's punishment. Now, I want you to listen to me here for just a minute. Fear is a liar. 
Y'all act like he's your best friend. Fear is a liar. Amen? Who is the father of lies? The devil. Is the devil our friend? No, I feel like a first grade teacher here. Y'all help me out a little bit. Answer some of these questions you know. Answer these quicker. The devil's not our friend. He's a liar. Fear comes from the devil. Therefore, it's a lie. Folks, fear was spawned by the prince of liars. And as long as we believe his lies, we will never be fearless. I want you to listen to 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There's a, there's a beautiful passage of Scripture there. God's, John is talking about God's love. And he says this, There is no fear in love. You hear that? There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected. The word perfect, get, get this, it doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. It doesn't mean you've got it all together. It just means mature. That's what the biblical word perfect means. Mature. That I have, I have grown in maturity. I'm not a little baby anymore. I have become a man. I'm not a, a little baby girl. I've become a woman. I've become mature. And so what this text says is that there's no fear in love, in agape, in unconditional love. Perfect love, mature love casts out all fear. It sends it running because that fear involves a punishment. In other words, I'm going to get punished. That's immature love. That's immature understanding of who God is. God's out to get me. That's how... and I. Please, I don't want to offend you, but that's how babies talk. That's baby talk for a believer. God's going to punish me. They don't know that. Children are afraid of the skies because mom and daddy are afraid of the skies. You know what? My granddaughter starts to get wigged. I said, baby, you know what? It's a, it's a dark cloud. There may be some wind in it. There may be some rain in it. But you know what? Papa's going to take care of you. I'm not going to let the storm get you. Okay? That's God. Hey, you know what? Unemployment's coming. But I'm going to take care of you. I'll give you another job. You know what? Your spouse has left you. But you know what? I haven't left you. And I will not leave you nor forsake you. But God, I'm sick. I know, but I'm the great physician. I'll bring healing. But God, but God, every but I've got, God's got an answer for. Ah, ah, ah. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected, matured in love. Folks, fear and unconditional love cannot coexist in the same body. In other words, I can't love unconditionally if I'm filled with fear. One of them casts out the other one. Does that make sense? If I love God unconditionally and I realize He loves me unconditionally, you know what happens? Fear packs its suitcase and heads on down the road to the next house. But if I'm fearful, I never grab hold of God's love. I know He loves me. I hear it every Sunday. I read it in all the books. I, when I turn on TBN, I hear how much God loves me or, or watch the church channel. I hear the sermons, how much God loves me. But, but you know what? I can't get from here to here because I'm fearful. Folks, the one we major on is the one that controls us. The one we default to is the one that controls us. The one we give first place is the one that controls us. But if we grow in maturity and we realize God loves us, guess what happens? Fear gets cast out. It gets sent packing. I just want to spend a few moments this morning and I want to share this truth of God's Word with you. Okay? I want you to listen to me. God loves you unconditionally. Loves you. Loves you. Loves you. Loves you. 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 Me. 
He loves us unconditionally. No strings attached. Not based on anything you've done or doing or will do. And guess what? Nothing you have done or doing or will do can change that. He loves you. But the only way that fear can be cast out is to grab hold of this truth right here. Let it filter down here and start experiencing it. Okay? So we're going to take just a few minutes this morning. We're going to look at at Romans chapter 8. You can go ahead and be turning there. And what I want you to do over the next few minutes is I want you to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. I want you to tell every other voice to shut up. You say, well, how am I going to know His voice? You will know His voice. You will know it. Tell your soul to shut up. Tell the enemy to shut up. And then say, God, speak. Speak to me. Speak to my spirit right now. Let God speak. I want you to listen to John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Jesus says, if you abide, that word abide means if you pitch your tent and you put your roots down here. If you abide in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine. And you shall know, that word know means to experience with your spirit, with your soul, and with your body. It means to experience with all of you. You will know, listen to this, the truth, and the truth will set you free. Freedom is a prerequisite of being fearless. If you're in bondage, you, you, you can't be fearless. You can't be free. But if you're truly free, and I want to say this, I want you to hear what I'm saying. If you're a believer this morning, Jesus Christ has, past tense, set you free. Jim understands it. I'm going to say it again. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, He has, past tense, set you free. Therefore, you are free. You are no longer in bondage. But... The enemy has convinced you that you still are. Now, who is a liar? God or the enemy? So, then, therefore, if you know Christ this morning, you're free. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. I'm free. I may look like I'm bound up in chains, but I'm not. I'm free. And you're free if you know Christ this morning. Folks, we are inwardly fashioned for faith, not fear. Faith is the atmosphere of spiritual life. Okay? It's what we breathe. It's what gives us life. It, it's, but you know what fear does? It leaves you gasping for breath. It smothers you. If you want to grab hold of what God's fixing to say this morning, not what I'm about to say, it will set you free. It will give you the ability to breathe again spiritually. I want you to look at Romans chapter 8. We're going to look at verse 1 and 2 for just a minute. And this is key, okay? This is, this is key. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to memorize this chapter in Scripture. Okay, it's, it's long, so it's going to take me a long time, all right, because I don't memorize very well. But this is one of the most important chapters of Scripture in all the Bible. If you struggle with whether or not God loves you, you ought to get up and read this chapter every day. Every day. Until you start believing it. Because when you start believing it, you'll start acting it out. 
And when you start acting it out, you know what? Fear hit the road. Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, There is therefore no now. There is therefore now. Now. Right now. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death says the soul that sinneth shall die. That's right out of Ezekiel. The soul that sins shall die. So that was the law. If you sin, you die. That's what God told Adam. Adam, if you eat from this tree, you will die. But when Jesus came, and Jesus died on that cross, folks, He set us free from the law of sin and death. We are no longer bound by that law. And because of that, and here's the, 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 what I want you to get out of this, is that there's a little word in there that says there is therefore no condemnation. Now we, th- we read that and we go, well, I don't have to beat myself up anymore about this and about that. That's not what that means. Condemnation is a legal term. Okay? There is therefore no longer any penalty for your sin. That's what that text says. There is no longer any payment that you could, should, would ever be able to make for your sin. Therefore, there is no condemnation. There's no penalty. There's no damnation that you deserve because of your sin. There's no way you can pay the final payment. And you don't have to because there's no longer any condemnation. There's no longer any penalty for that sin. I want you to think about that for a minute. I'm going to give you an illustration. I'm going to try. If I tell a lie, I've sinned, right? Come on. Okay, let's do it your way. If you lie, is that sin? Yes! Right? Okay, if I lie, it's sin. This text says there's no longer any penalty for that sin. Does that mean I can lie all I want? That's not what we're talking about, folks. It means that Jesus has paid the price. He That, that stripe He took, that, that hammer that drove that nail through His hand, that... that, that, that piercing of His side, those hours and hours that He was in agony on that cross paid for that lie. They paid for it. They didn't just pay for mine, they paid for yours. Romans 8, 1 says there's no longer any penalties for the sins that we've committed or will commit. God's blotted them out with the blood of Christ. He's erased them with the cross. You don't have to live in fear of punishment anymore. What happens when perfect love comes? It casts out fear. Where does fear come from? Because I'm afraid God's going to get me. Now, in in proper church, we'd never say that. Bottom line, you know why I'm fearful? Because I'm afraid God's going to get me. Folks, that's why the pagans sacrifice stuff. They live in fear. You go to South America or you go to, to China or you go to any country. You go to, you go to India where the Hindus are. And, and they're, they're offering their little sacrifices. Why? Because they're trying to appease the anger of an angry God. Jesus appeased the anger of God. And God wasn't angry with you, and He wasn't angry with you, and He wasn't angry with you, and He wasn't angry with you. He was angry at our sin and what it does to us and what it does to other people. And Jesus appeased that anger. He took it away. He bore it on His back in His body till the cup was dry. That's what one of the texts says, till the dregs were drank. 
You don't have to live in fear of punishment. You don't have to dread that you're going to get what you deserve or what you think you deserve or what the devil's been telling you that you deserve. If you're a believer this morning, you're not going to get God's anger and wrath. You've gotten His grace. And He can love you. And you can enjoy that love. You don't have to be fearful of it. Folks, Jesus embraced the wrath of God so that we don't have to. Therefore, God's free to love us. Just pour it out. Just to lavish us with it. To drown us in it. Now the bottom line is, do I believe what God says? Oh. If we don't believe it, guess what? We will not experience it. Even if it's truth. And it's not enough. I've been to church with literally thousands of people in my lifetime who believed it here, but were not experiencing it. It's not enough to believe it. You have to experience it. To know it rationally is not to know it intimately and experientially. And if I don't know it experientially, it does me not one iota of good. It does not change my life, and it won't change your life. Even if it's true. Folks, God's Word is truth without error. His Word declares what I'm teaching you this morning. And I'm going to, the next few minutes, I'm going to go rather quickly. I want you to hear the Word of God. Faith comes from hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the Word of God. Faith doesn't come by preaching. Faith doesn't come by reading books. Faith comes by hearing what God's Word is saying. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. So what I want you to do is just listen to what God's Word says about His love for you. Don't worry about the person sitting next to you. Just listen for a few minutes yourself. You can be selfish in this moment. And draw, be like a sponge, soak up every bit of what God's saying to you. Because He's going to speak individually this morning. I want you to hear what God's Word says in Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. I'm going to read it. I'm going to give some running commentary. We're going to move through it pretty quickly. I'm going to read it, but I want you to listen with your spirit first. Then with your soul and then with your body. I don't want you to listen backwards. Body, soul, and spirit. Listen, spirit, soul, and body. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. And folks, fearlessness is the result of faith. This is God's Word. His absolute last word. Okay? By that I mean God hadn't quit speaking. But this is God's absolute word. There, there's no higher court to appeal to than what he says right here. Paul's arguing. He's anticipating the questions that we have. And in verse 31 he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God's for us, who can be against us? If God's standing by you and you go walking down through a neighborhood that's not, you know, it's not too safe, who, who can bother you? That's what he's saying. If God's for you, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how will we not also with him freely give us all things? In other words, God's with you. God's given you everything based on his sacrifice of his son for you. Who's going to bring a charge against God's elect, against God's chosen ones? Who's going to stand up in God's face and say, yeah, but he did this, 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 and this. Now, we've heard the devil is the one who accuses, and he does. 
But he doesn't have his finger up in God's face like this. It's from a long, long distance. Okay? Who's going to accuse you? God's the one who justifies. God's the one who, who declares you not guilty. Who's the one that's going to condemn then? If God's declared you not guilty, who's going to condemn you? Christ Jesus is He who died. But He doesn't leave it there. I love this verse. See, we've still got Christ on the cross. Everything is about our sin being paid for. Folks, that's the front door of the gospel. That's not the end of the gospel. Yes, He died for us, and, and it's critical that He died for us. And we celebrate the death of Christ. But folks, Christ is He who died for us. Yes. Listen to what Paul says. Rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who intercedes for us. Folks, Jesus is not a dead Savior. He is a living King. And He sits at the, at the right hand of the Father every day. Since the moment He ascended into heaven from the Mount of Olives, He ascended and He intercedes for us. He stands between us and everything else. He stands between us and God. He says, God, this is, this is my child. This is my girl. This is my son. He needs this. She needs this. God, would you send it? He, he's praying for us. He's interceding for us. Listen to the questions Paul's asking. Paul's answering the accusations of the enemy here, the ones that, that he's put in our head. Those thoughts of unworthiness and guilt and shame. Paul's asking rhetorical questions here. He doesn't intend for us to answer except one way. If God's for us, who can be against us? Nobody! Does God condemn you? No way! You know, all of a sudden I'm getting stiff and straight and I'm, I'm standing, I'm taking big old deep breaths and I'm, I'm really six feet tall again. I'm not walking around like this, feeling condemned. And so, he, 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 how are you going to pay your debt? I don't have a debt to pay. God's paid it through Christ. Folks, who's going to condemn you if He is the judge in the highest court? If He says you are free, you are free indeed. Let faith arise. Let faith arise in this room. God gave His Son. He nailed Him to the cross for us, folks. God has set us free. He's justified us. Listen, I don't need to miss the next sentence. Verse 35. Paul asks a question here for all of us. Who shall separate who shall separate? Anybody got a bulletin I could borrow? And it'd be all right if I don't give it back to you and you get another one on your way out. Okay, I got one. It's killing me. I might need to give you this. You might need that. Okay. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? What Paul says there is, who will rip us away from God? That, that's what it means. It means to tear away. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Nobody. Shall tribulation? What's tribulation? Well, that's when you, the, the world's pressures kind of get coupled with tough circumstances. Any of you live there? None of us are immune to that. Shall tribulation? Or distress? What's distress? Well, that's when you're in a tight place and there really doesn't look like there's a way out. You ever been there? Emotionally, financially, vocationally, mentally, spiritually? I could go on and on. We've all been there. It's tight. Or distress. That's that one. Or persecution. When you're being tormented and harassed. Or famine. When you're hungry or you're starving. Or another way to put it is when there is no apparent solution to the needs that you have. Or nakedness. Now, none of us are naked, but you've got to understand what, what he means there. When you're in utter poverty, 
when you don't have nothing that will, or any, that's better English is anything. When you don't have anything, well, let me put it back like I said. When you don't have nothing, and when what you have got is not enough to help you get what you need. Or peril. A dangerous situation just comes out of nowhere. Or sword. Violent death. Or war. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Paul kind of covers the whole span. That pretty much covers everything that can happen to us. There's seven things there. Wonder why he used seven? Because in in the Hebrew mind, seven was the number of perfection. It was everything. When you said it was the number of God, He is complete. And so what he's he's arguing is, I'm let me just argue the whole thing for you right here, folks. Here's everything, one extreme to the other. Can that separate you from the love of Christ? I want you to listen right here because we miss this next verse and let God's faith arise in you. Romans 8.37 But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him. Through who? Through Christ who loved us. We overwhelmingly conquer. Folks, that word is we are super victors. Paul invents a word here and then he, he adds something on to try to get his point across. It's the word where we get our word Nike from. Nike was, was the winged god of, or goddess of victory. And so the root of this word here, overwhelmingly conquer, is, is Nikao. And he adds all this stuff on the front of it so that we understand we are super, super, duper, super victors. In Christ. Now listen, this is just common sense in a good way. If all those things have been defeated by Jesus and we are in Jesus, how can those things defeat us? How can they tear us away from God's love? Folks, they can't because we are super victors, they are defeated. They are done. Stick a fork in them. They're past. Okay? You listen to me. Right now is a now moment in your life. It's a now moment. Don't you tell your your spirit, your soul, and your body to drink what God's about to say. Because if you'll drink it deep, it will change everything. Let faith arise right now in Jesus' name and let fear flee. Listen to what Romans 8, 39 says. I'm just going to read it and then I'm going to come back real quickly. And then we're going to be done. Paul says this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, I'm convinced. I am fixed on this truth. There's no doubt here. I mean, I'm like a, I'm, I flung my anchor out right here, and it's holding. That neither death, that's the cessation of life, nor life, no matter what comes in life, good things, bad things, nor angels, the heavenly beings, the good ones, nor principalities, that's the devil and his demons, nor things present, nor things to come. That's a way of saying in this present age or in the age to come. Nor powers. That's miracles or mighty works. 
nor height, nor depth. Now, you got to get this in mind. They believed in the astrological signs. And they believed that when a star was at its highest, it influenced control over you. And when it was at its lowest, it didn't influence as much control over you. These people were fixated with this. This is what they worshipped. And Paul says, you know what? No matter how high the star gets or how low it goes, it can't separate you from the love of God. Nor any... Other created thing. No thing created. I love, I love to take this verse. Somebody wants to talk about losing your salvation. Well, you can make that choice. No, you can't. Because you don't have anything to make, to do with it in the first place. And you're a created thing, aren't you? Well, yes. Well, God says nothing. Nothing, not even anything in creation. Can separate. Not even yourself. Listen to me. There's nothing. You can't even separate God's love from you. You can't do it, folks. And, and then if you expand a little bit more, what he's saying there is, is even if something should appear from another world, let's just cover all our bases, if, if something should appear from another world or a realm, dimensional realm, it cannot separate you from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. No thing. That's what nothing means. No thing created. Folks, that's everything. Everything except God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There's nothing left. There's nothing left to be fearful of. Nothing can separate me from God. The root of fear is that God's out to get me And if I mess up, I'm separated from God. Folks, I can't be separated from God. Nothing. No thing can separate me. God's already declared His ever-loving love for us, His everlasting love for us through Jesus. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. We've got an unlimited supply. You can take a bath in this and not even worry about it. It doesn't run out. And folks, there's nothing you can do to make God love you less or more than He loves you right now. That's liberating. Because I know there's some folks in here that are struggling in some situations. Some of them are their own doing and some of them are not their own doing. You know what? That situation doesn't affect God's love for you. It's constant. It's constant. Folks, I want you to listen to that Word. And I want you to let faith arise. Let God's perfect love cast out all the fear that's hiding within you right now. And then I want you to do this. I want you to speak with authority to your soul. soul. I want you to tell that spirit of fear to leave. That's what I said. You know what it is. You know what you're afraid of. Tell it to hit the trail. Well, don't then. And there's nothing I can do to help you. There's nothing God can do to help you. If you're afraid of what's going to happen tomorrow, tell the spirit of fear for tomorrow to hit the trail. You're not going to worry about it. You're worried about finances. Tell the spirit of of poverty or whatever you want to call it, hit the trail. If you're just afraid God doesn't lay, you tell the lying spirit to hit the trail. So Nelson, I think you flipped out. No, I haven't flipped out. I'm just being biblical with you. You remember the foxhole and the devil who got his foot in there? Well, he didn't stay long. He invited one of his his men to come, and, and they took up. And they're just telling you that lie every time God says now. Oh, yeah, but what about this? It's a spirit of fear. Tell it to hit the trail. Tell it to go. Folks, let the love of God fill your spirit. Let the love of God fill your soul and your body right now. Don't worry about the person next to you. Don't worry about what they think. Fix your eyes. Close your eyes if you need to. Look straight up to the ceiling if you want to. Get up and walk around. It won't bother me. But get by yourself with God right now. And let faith arise. The Word of God. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing 
by the Word of God. Folks, right now is a now moment for a bunch of you. Right now you can hear God's voice louder than you can hear me. You can hear Him talking. And He's saying somewhere deep within you now. 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 Allow God to cleanse that wounded place. Allow God to heal that that broken place. Allow allow God to to heal that fear-filled place. Folks, whatever the healing that you need is, allow Him to do it now. Let the love of God tear down the walls that you've built to protect yourself so that you won't get hurt again. Let Him shatter that. Lord, right now, I pray You would shatter those things. For more information on Eagles Wing Church, visit our website at www.eagleswingchurch.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Eagles Wing Church. Thanks for listening and have a blessed week.